and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Back in 2012, my husband Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. And since then, we have been coaching people to join me in achieving their plant-based lifestyle goals of weight loss and improved health. So please post your comments and you can post questions for our guests today. You can even tell us where you're from or type in, be strong, be well, and be green. Just has voice. Let's welcome our guest. Nick Daverin and his wife, Evelyn, own and operate Local Spicery. At Local Spicery, they personally mill, blend, package, and sell the spices when they're at their peak of freshness. Please subscribe and click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Nick Daverin. Greetings and welcome, Nick. Good morning, Amy. How are you? I'm just great. I am thrilled to be joining you and my audience in your kitchen. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is our test kitchen in Marysville. It's upstairs in the building where we do all of our processing and have a small storefront in the front. Oh, that is awesome. So you get to play at work. That's wonderful. <laughs> you know, when I was a child in school, we learned about Christopher Columbus. And one of the things that we learned was that spices was like this really big deal. And for me as a kid, I didn't think spices were a big deal at all because sweets were more my thing. I didn't really care about spices. And I really didn't understand why there was such a big deal and so much financing and crossing treacherous oceans and months and much of voyages just to get these spices. And now, especially since I've gone plant-based and have now avoided salt, I'm discovering how really important spices are. And you have traveled much of the world as well and, and learned about spices and you have your company, Local Spicery. So I'm so glad that you're here to show us how important spices are and what we can do with them and how even if you're avoiding salt, you can have such flavorful food if you just know what to do. Well, you're, uh, you're spot on on your, your comments on spices and their value, and particularly their value for, uh, for people following a plant-based plant diet. The story that Evelyn and I have started back in 2012 when we started the company. And back then, it was just all about culinary relevance and, and creating the highest quality spices possible. But in uh, 2019, when we, uh, when the two of us decided to uh, adjust our uh, our diets more towards a plant-based diet, uh, you know, we learned a lot about spices maybe that we never noticed. And if you think about it, someone comes home and says, "What's for dinner?" But in a plant-based diet, typically, well, we're having a curry or we're having some berberet, and a lot of times it is the, in fact, the flavor of the spices that becomes a central focus of what it is that we eat. And uh, with that increase, you know, the, the increase in importance in the spices and what we eat, uh, it's, it's, you know, I find myself cooking more than I ever did and experimenting more with my cooking and now coming out and doing cooking demonstrations. Yeah, it's so great that we have access to places like yours. And even though you're based, you're in California, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even though you're there, because of the internet, most of us can probably have access to getting your spices over the internet. There's some basic questions that sometimes people don't even think about because people talk about spices and then they talk about herbs. So what's the difference? It is a very, very vague line. And because a lot of people will use the word herb to encompass herbs and spices. The US FDA actually does have a, a distinction. The distinction being that, you know, generally herbs are, come from plants that are annuals, not, uh, not perennials, and that herbs are composed primarily of the leaf. So if you think, you know, basil leaves, oregano leaves, uh, thyme leaves, those would all be considered herbs. Whereas the, the bark, the seed, the root, you know, turmeric, thyme, coriander, those would all be spices. It's also important 
when you're trying to track freshness because the uh, US FDA, if you follow their guidance for freshness dating, herbs should be dated at uh, two years after they've been harvested, which is relatively fast, whereas spices, it's four years after they've been milled. Well, that's interesting because I think sometimes people, especially when they're going over to this lifestyle and they start to have to add in different spices and herbs. Well, first of all, sometimes they'll find a recipe and say, well, I don't have that particular spice or herb, so they have to go out and get it. Or sometimes they'll dig into their spices and they'll find it and they won't even remember how old it is and and they might worry, is it going to go rancid? Is it bad? So if we have something that's older, should we be concerned about food safety or is it just a flavor profile? Spices don't go bad. They're not going to kill you. It's, you know, remember what Douglas MacArthur said about old soldiers. Same thing with old spices. They, they never die. They just fade away. The, the minute that you uh, you mill them, the clock begins ticking because the, the aromatics and the flavors are all held in the essential oils in the uh, product. Once you mill it, those essential oils begin to volatilize, which is where we get the wonderful aromatics of spices. But it also means that you're losing that flavor in the aromatics. So you do want to get them as fresh as you can. And, and you know, couple of things that people should be aware of. Common grocery store spices, uh, and this is an estimate made by the uh, American Spice Trade Association, it takes about a year after the spice has been milled before it even gets put on the shelf in the grocery. Our whole reason to exist when we created this company was to be able to get product out much, much faster. So when I'm milling spices, I'm milling in quantities that I expect will sell out of within 30 days. People ask about you know how long will this last? I, I try to turn the question around and say, it's not about how long can you hold on to it. You should buy product that you think you'll use within a year. And the focus should be not on storing spices like we store books on a shelf, but using the spices and creating the story and the adventures in your cook. So speaking of storing spices, oftentimes people put near their stovetop where it meets the back wall of their kitchen. Sometimes they'll store them on top of there or in a cabinet that's close to the stove because a lot of the times they're using the spices while they're cooking. Is there a certain place or way or temperature that we should think about as far as storing? Yeah. Well, so in terms of storing, the the three things that really attack spices the most, the first and most important is oxygen. So you want to make sure that you have your spices sealed as tightly as possible. Our spices come in in these jars. It's a very heavy, heavy glass jar, has a steel lid. So if you drop it, it's not going to break. And it has a plastisol seal on the top of the jar, non-BPA plastisol seal so that you get a, a complete oxygen seal on the on the top of the lid. A lot of times we have people that say, well, why don't you put one of those shaker tops on? And we really want the shaker top. The problem with the shaker top is it is you don't get that same seal, and then you'll get some oxygen leakage, and your spices won't be able to stay as fresh. So oxygen, number one. Number two, it's temperature. And the temperature that we track here is... Uh, if the spices themselves get up to 85 degrees, then you're really volatilizing the uh, essential oils very rapidly and you're going to start to lose aromatics. So the best thing to do is to store the spices in a place that's cool, not cold. Uh, a lot of people ask if it's okay to put their spices in the freezer. That's generally not a good idea. And the reason why is that those uh, those essential oils, they reside in the same place where residual moisture is in the spices. And that residual moisture, if it if it freezes, uh, you're actually sucking moisture away from the, uh, the essential oils. And uh, you're going to be drying out your spices and you're going to be losing flavor by freezing. There's nothing really bad about a refrigerator other than that anytime you put something in the refrigerator, there's always the possibility that it would freeze. So what we say is uh, store your spices in a place that is that is cool, that is dry, and that is dark. Unfortunately, I know that I know that it's nice to be able to grab spices and shake them while you're while you're uh, you're cooking. So if you think about it, you've got hot water over your stove. And you're shaking your spices, you're getting steam in your spices. And that steam also is going to damage your spices. And if in the off chance there's any kind of a pathogen that exists in those spices, salmonella, E. coli, or whatever, it could exist in, in microscopic quantities that would never cause you any harm. But if they get moist and they get warm, then it, then it can grow and, and it gets a lot worse. So you, you don't want your spices to get moist. You want to keep them dry. You don't want to get them hot. So sprinkling over a stove is not generally a good idea with a jar in there. That is good to know because I, I think a lot of times 
people may be preparing food and they follow the recipe and they say, oh, it still doesn't have much flavor. And it may be because their spices faded away or maybe they, you know, they weren't stored properly. So those are really good tips. Now, speaking of when you're cooking, do you think that for most recipes, it's ideal to put the spices and herbs in before the product is cooked while it's cooking or toward the end? So for me, I, I do all three. <laughs> uh, you know, there's some spices that you want to kind of, you want the flavor to kind of infuse throughout the entire dish. And, uh, you know, what I'm going to be doing today, we'll be doing some of that. I'm a big fan of putting my herbs in when I'm sauteing. So, you, you know, you begin by sauteing your onions and whatever else. I like to put the herbs in with that because then you get the onions and the, you know, the core liquor that you're going to be building into a sauce infused with the flavor of the herb. When I'm dealing with spices that are highly aromatic, you know, like, like, a, like a curry, like cardamom or, or coriander, a lot of times I'll, I'll try to save it farther towards the end so that you can retain as much of the aromatic as, as possible. Once you begin cooking, it's a, it's a lifelong education you're undertaking on, on how different foodstuffs work, and, and they all work a little bit differently. For example, saffron won't do anything in your, your cooking unless it's connected to a liquid. Once it hits a liquid, it ignites. So, you know, saffron, you want to put it in the water and let it boil and let it cook. But, you know, other products, you really just want to sprinkle them on at the very end so that the aromatic will, will wash. Wow, I didn't know that about saffron. Very good tip. <laughs> so are there any spices or herbs that we should probably use a little more sparingly just because they're potent in taste or for whatever reason you think? So there are spices and usually it's a spice, uh, not an herb that uh, you have to be careful. And this is just from a flavor standpoint. You know, you had mentioned the difference between spices and herbs. And if you're, uh, you're starting out cooking with spices, if you begin by cooking with herbs, you're in a pretty good place because generally you cannot really over season the dish with herbs. You know, a lot of herbs, you'll get more of an herby flavor. But with many of the spices, like say, uh, you know, cloves, cloves can just completely overpower a dish and ruin it if you put too much in. Or cardamom, my very favorite flavor in the entire world, you put too much cardamom in, it starts to taste like Lysol. Again, it's it's understanding the different products and, and you know which ones are safe and which ones you want to be sparing of. If you're just starting out, start with the herbs because it's hard to go wrong. I can really only think of one herb to be careful with, and that's thyme. Thyme is one of those ones where you can use too much. It's a very light, kind of a floral tone, but when you put too much in, it becomes really, really rich, dark, umami, earthy food. But any other, any other herb, you know, basil, parsley, oregano, go for it. Well, that's great. So here's a question, and I think that you're probably the godfather of spices. So it may be, I don't know, I'm going to ask you this question. When I was a kid, especially if my parents or other families would make tomato sauce and they would pop in that bay leaf and then it was always like, oh, don't eat the bay leaf. Make sure if it gets in your food or something, pick it out. Be careful. Don't eat the bay leaf. And I never understood why. Is so something to be terrified about? Nothing. There is nothing to worry about. In fact, uh, we actually sell bay leaf that's been milled to a powder. And I'll frequently use that. Use very, very small quantities. Bay leaf is not uh, in any way uh, poisonous. You put a whole bay leaf in any cooking, you want to take it out just because it might be unpleasant to get a whole leaf in your mouth. But there's uh, there's nothing you have to worry about with a bay leaf in your cooking. Okay. Maybe that was just in my family gatherings. I don't know. Oh, in my family, too. We said the same yeah. thing. Saying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Now people sometimes use finishing spices. What is a finishing spice and what types of spices would you use? And maybe talk a little bit about that. Finishing is something that you're putting on in the very tail end of the cooking process, sometimes even after after the cooking process, something that's part of your plating. Finishing spices, the look on the plate is important, but generally finishing spices tend to be highly aromatic. And, and the reason why is if you put something like cardamom in your, uh, in your food and you put it in very early, you're going to get the cardamom flavor rich and in the back of the mouth, but you're going to lose that front of the mouth, uh, you know, immediate sweet sensation. Don't put just a little bit in at the end is finishing to, to stimulate the, uh, the aromatics coming off the top. The things that I think of uh, as finishing spices, I use, I use sumac. Quite a bit. In fact, I find sumac is a really, really credible salt substitute. It's a it's a berry that's dried and ground 
It's just got a lovely red color like paprika, but it's- uh, Not, but it's not to be confused with poison sumac, right? This is something different. Well, they are related. They're different species, but they're in the same family. They are completely different. The, uh, the sumac that we use for cooking comes from the Middle East. And you know, I think I thought I had some here. I think I put that it away. That is awesome. I think that's something that might be new to a lot of people, that especially that are trying to avoid salt, that you have this spice called sumac that is yeah. wonderful to use to help get the, a salt kind of feeling. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is that the, the areas in the mouth where we taste salt are the same areas in the mouth where we taste sour. Uh, if, you, if you track the ingredient list that people are using in, in salt substitutes right now, the, the current trend today is, uh, is towards using citric acid because it's a very, very sour flavor and it stimulates the same areas. Sumac does the same thing, but it's a completely natural ingredient. And, uh, and it looks beautiful on a plate. Sprinkle it over your mashed potatoes or your hummus or your pasta, and it's beautiful. And what's also fun is people might see it, assuming it's paprika, and then taste it and get this wonderful citrusy flavor out of it. Oh, so it's basically the same color probably as paprika. Yeah. Wonderful. And so that here. would be great to, to use it, I guess, as a finishing spice, because usually a lot of people will use paprika to finish yeah. off a a dish and make it look so pretty, but yet at least paprika, it doesn't really have much of a flavor to it. It just looks pretty, but not really, at least Here. the paprikas I've tried. Here's some sumac. I'll bring it right up to the camera for you. Look at how deep and red. Oh, yeah. that's it's beautiful. Lovely. When we're adopting this plant-based lifestyle, and even if you're not, eat the rainbow. You hear that a lot, and that's important. And we don't really get too many red kind of foods in our diets as it's harder to find that it's we find a lot of green but the reds and the purples we don't find those and every color has a reason they have different phytochemicals phytonutrients in them so eating the rainbow is so important and that would be a great way to add a, a salty tricky flavor to our palate and eat another color. Definitely, definitely recommend it. Oh, that is awesome. On your website, you have a lot of different salt-free spice blends. Is that right? That's right. If you're on our website and you go up to the search bar, just search for S capital S, capital O, capital S, and then a space, and then free. And that will bring you to a, uh, a landing page on our website that extracts all of our blends that are salt-free. None of our product has added oil. Very, very few of our blends have any added sugar. But on, on that landing page, everything we have there is absolutely SOS-free and you can feel safe. That's so wonderful because oftentimes when I'd be at the grocery store looking for spices and saying, oh, what, what else is new in a spice blend? And it's just so tiresome having to look at all of the labels because they sneak in that salt or, or, or some weird chemical in it. So just knowing that I can go to search someplace and know that I don't have to read the labels because everything on that list is going to be compliant to my lifestyle, that is just a relief. There are chemicals that don't show up on the label also. Um, most spices, probably 90% of the spices sold in the, uh, in the United States have been sterilized either with uh, irradiation or with ethylene oxide. Those are not reflected on the label, but uh, it's in your food. Our product is completely free of radiation and uh, ethylene oxide. That's a big deal because they're not required to reveal that. So, and and but you are telling us that these are things that we should be looking for, and that's a really nice thing to know that we don't have to. That's another thing that we don't have to worry about, and that you have some clean food for us. So speaking of food, my mouth is watering. I'm looking at all these colorful things that you have there. What are you going to cook for us today, Nick? I thought I would do something that is that is striking when it's finished, but simple in its conception. And I like to think about cooking. Cooking a lot of times is going on an adventure and taking us somewhere different. So we're going to do some uh, some stuffed bell peppers that we're going to do in a uh, in a Basque style. I'm going to use a Basque seasoning. We're going to stuff it with uh, two different layers. The bottom layer will be a pilaf, and then the top layer is going to be a uh, a piperad, which is a, a both our traditional uh, flavors used in the Basque countryside. That's wonderful. I want to let our audience know that we will have a link in the show notes to the recipe for everything that you're going to be making today. So don't worry. You can just sit back and watch and you don't have to take down crazy notes and you can just watch this wonderful presentation. Okay, Nick, let's go. That's rock and roll. So full disclosure, uh, I have the, uh, the peppers 
already in the oven and I'm going to pull them out in just a little while uh, so that at the end you can see what they look like prepared and you don't have to sit and wait for them to cook. Also, the uh, uh, the pilaf is something that I prepared in advance, but that's that's kind of the way I cook. A lot of times, you know, even if we're doing something like a stuffed pepper, we'll open the refrigerator and see what's in there. And I'm sure like a lot of you will frequently have some uh, leftover rice, which is a good thing that you can begin to make a a, a pilaf out of or, or something that, that you can build out. So it's, it's it's the way we cook. I'm going to be leaning on two main spice blends today. Uh, the first one is our uh, bada bing bouillon. It's a broth powder. There's nothing in this except dried milled vegetables. Uh, there's no salt. There's no chemicals of any kind. The focus is on a kind of a flavor enhancer, not a hard uh, flavor in itself so that it goes well with everything. That's think, great. And so, it's also vegan, right? Because a lot of times we try to find bouillon and they have some kind of animal product in it, but not, total, yours doesn't. Totally vegan, totally salt-free. Porcini mushroom, it's sun-dried tomato, it's carrots, it's onions, little garlic. That, that, that's basically it. Uh, some uh, bell pepper. Since we uh, created this last year, I found it's really changed the way I cook and I use uh, I use it you know, when I start cooking, the first thing that I'll do is just make a little bit of bouillon because a lot of times you have to add a liquid to what you're doing for different reasons. And when you can add a liquid that has a has a very, very rich umami flavor to it like that, it adds so much to your final cooking. That's great. Um, a lot of us think about we start off with some kind of a vegetable broth and we're trying to make it at home or we're trying to find a salt-free vegan version. And we don't have to worry about it having to put the rest of it in the refrigerator. We can just kind of make it as we go with your blend. It is a lot easier. <laughs> I used to make all my own broth and, and uh, I really don't anymore, not very much. The other blend we're going to talk about is uh, is our Basque blend. This is called, it's a word you're probably all familiar with, chimichurri. Now, I'll, I'll throw out a couple of other words. Um, you know, chimichurri, Curry, masala, they're all words we use all the time. We all think we know what they mean, but in their root language, they all mean the same thing. And that means it's just a blend. The word chimichurri, people think of as a uh, fresh herb, like a pesto sauce with uh, vinegar that's usually put on meats after they're prepared in, in, in South America. But the word chimichurri is a Basque word that means a blend of nothing in particular. But the chimichurri that comes to the region of uh, southern France, uh, northern Spain, which is the, the Pyrenees Mountain where the Basque people come from, it actually is in its inception a, a blend of dried herbs. And it's driven up by uh, you know, basil and parsley, some onions, some garlic. And it has a, some mild flavored chilies in it. Typically, it would have, a, you know, like a piment d'esplet, which is a, a very specific pepper from the Basque region. We haven't been able to carry piment d'esplet because we get our piment d'esplet, we fly to the uh, esplet region and we buy it ourselves and bring it back. We haven't been able to do that. But we do use a, uh, a New Mexico chili that we mill down to a granular form. So you can see little flakes of it in there. And that's the Basque, that's the Basque blend and it gives it that intrinsic flavor uh, that we look for and think of as, as Basque cooking. And so what is Basque cooking? Well, the Basque people are primarily farmers and they're sheep herders. In their cooking, they're going from campsite to campsite. So usually what they have are things that they can carry that preserve well, you know, don't weigh a lot. So, you know, dried herbs, uh, Basque cooking, Typically, will involve uh, vinegars because vinegars you can carry, carry uh, you know, without refrigeration, carry just in a, in a flask, whatever. They use uh, what they have natively, and you'll find some fresh vegetables. You'll find a lot of use of these, uh, you know, low heat chilies, which would be around because that's what they use to make the uh, the pimentons of the Spanish region and the and the uh, the pimol display. So if we we'll get started, I'm going to talk about the pilaf and I'll show you what it is because we've got that pre-made it. But to make a pilaf, all I do is it's a combination of brown rice and uh, pearl barley, two-thirds brown rice, one-third pearl barley. About, I think I used two and a quarter cups of water. I just put it in my uh, my rice cooker. You could also do it in a uh, in a pressure cooker for 15 minutes. I like to season them while they're cooking. Uh, when you see the recipe, I have uh, specific spices to go in, and I'll go through those. But the spices that I'm putting in is basically to create a Spanish blend. It's called sazon. Sazon is kind of a base spice of the uh, you know, of this uh, Spanish uh, highlands. I didn't. I'm not featuring our sazon because our sazon has salt in it. And so by following our recipe, you can create a session that is essentially uh, salt-free. Um, and we're going to have all that 
a link to that in the show notes with the recipe. Also, stay tuned because Nick is giving us a really great free offer, but we're going to tell you about it at the end. So stay tuned for that too. But we'll have links to all the spices and then the recipe too. Go ahead. So the seasoning that goes in this in the in the pilaf, it includes achiote seed. Achiote is is uh, from uh, Central America, actually from the Yucatan. In a real traditional uh, Spanish world, they probably would use saffron. But let's let's just keep the cost down and not get to not get ahead of ourselves. There's some cori- ground coriander seed, some oregano, some onion, and some garlic. Those are base. Those are the basic flavors that are going into the uh, into the pilaf. I put those in uh, when I cook it with the water so that it becomes completely infused throughout. I also, after it was cooked, I just sauteed water, uh, oil-free, one medium-sized uh, red onion, put that in, and we put two-thirds of a cup of golden raisins just for a little bit of sweetness. So that's the pilaf, and that's going to be one of the layers. You know, pilaf, you have a recipe, you don't have to follow it too carefully. You can put anything in it you want. You can put you know, put pumpkin seeds in, put pecans or, or walnuts or, you know, any kind of nuts or anything that you, you want to have in there. Feel free to be creative and, uh, and have some fun. I think let's just uh, jump ahead and get this started. I'm going to stuff green bell peppers. You can use green or red. The piperat is going to be made with red bell peppers, and I like to have the, the variation. We're going to just cut the tops off of these, and then when necessary, if it won't stand up straight, and that one's fine, we'll shave the bottoms just a little bit. When you shave the bottoms off of these things, you don't want to take enough, so much off that uh, you'll have big holes in the bottom because as it cooks inside the bell pepper, you want you want to retain the liquid and have kind of a sauce falling down to the bottom of the bell pepper. Full disclosure, I actually selected these peppers to find ones that would stand up. So I don't think you're going to see me doing that. <laughs> yeah, one, you kind of go in the store and people are watching you while you go. Okay. There we go. There's this, there's this challenge pepper. <laughs> that one's going to need a little bit of help. Okay, we're just going to trim oh, a little bit. Well, we needed a demo. Time. There we go. <laughs> Let's just grab a spoon. Just clean the veins out inside more than anything because I want to, if there's any residual heat from the seeds in there, I want to get rid of them. We also want to create a nice big well for us to put the uh, product in. And then I retain, I'm retain. i going to retain the tops. I like to, you know, you'll see a lot of recipes where people don't retain the tops and they uh, they, they bake it with whatever the stuffing is flowing out the top. I, I like the look of having a bell pepper when it's served to you look like a bell pepper. And I think that putting the tops back on in the oven helps, helps retain the moisture inside the bell pepper. Kind of like a little lid for your pot. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's going to make a beautiful presentation. I think that... This type of recipe would be fun, especially for people that are haven't gone plant-based. A lot of times people that are not plant-based in the past have had stuffed peppers anyway. So yeah. this is a great transition kind of dish to introduce this to somebody. Or if you're going to be a guest that you can bring those over and people won't think that it's some kind of a weird vegan dish because it's just a stuffed pepper. And they yeah. look so pretty. Absolutely right. And, and actually I selected the, the spice blends because specifically they, you know, they overcome the desire for smoke. I, I wanted to use the sasson with the achiote because the achiote has got a really, really deep umami flavor. that's also a little bit tangy and a little bit earthy. And, uh, you know, you can, you can eat achiote and feel like you're eating salt. You'll never feel like you need to salt the, salt the dish at all when you put it in. So, well, that's a just- really great tip because we're all looking for something to give, especially people that are transitioning over and trying to give up salt. We're looking for something that doesn't have funny chemicals in it, but that's going to help us with that salty flavor. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes so that if they want to check it out on your website, they can find it and maybe even take advantage of the special offer. All right. I'm just filling these about two thirds of the way full, leaving plenty of space at the top because we're going to make a the piperad and put that on top. You know, this is the, the rice, even though it's 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 highly seasoned and has, has the raisins and the onions in it, it's still kind of a, a neutral palate. And we're going to put the really, really tangy piperad on top so that you have the two flavors harmonizing with each other. You have the high tones and the low tones. This would be fun to make with kids in the kitchen. They could help stuff them. Absolutely. And, you know, as you can see, this is not a difficult dish. This is you know, although it is something you can bring to a dinner party and feel very good about it, in its heart, it's fundamentally a, uh, a Thursday night dinner. When you don't have a lot of time, don't have a lot of energy, you can just stuff bell peppers 
with whatever you have in your refrigerator, throw them in the oven and call it good. And, uh, and you can be very happy with it. Okay. They look like they make fun leftovers too, because you could, if you wanted to take some to work with you or something, you could just grab one or two and stick them in a dish and, and say, yep, oh, there's my meal. So the piperon, which is a very, very traditional Basque flavor, and it's P-I-P-E-R-A-D-E. -E. You see, there's a restaurant in San Francisco of the same name. It's a Basque restaurant. It's a you know, very heavy sauce, essentially just sautéed peppers, onions, tomatoes, a little bit of a uh, little bit of vinegar for tanginess, and that's it. And that you know, I, I don't, I've never heard anybody say it's the national dish of uh, of the Pyrenees, but it, it essentially is. If you're traveling in that area, any restaurant will have piperot on their on their menu. This is uh, two small red onions that I just just coarse chopped. And letting everybody know there is no oil in that pan, and watch how you can cook without oil. I'm gonna. I warned you. I was gonna use the. Uh, the bada bing, so I'm going to get that going right now because I'm going to need it soon. I love that name, bada bing. Did you come up with that name, Nick? My, you know what? It was uh, it was my wife and I did it together, and we it's got two names: it's bada bing bouillon, and we're going to be releasing other bouillons under the same name. And the subtitle is Ooh Mommy, Ooh Mommy. Deborah Barr said, I use his bada bing broth. It's delicious. And she it said, does. I wish I wish he sold it in larger containers. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. And I don't know how long it was, ago it was you bought it when we first released it. We only had it in the large retails. We have it out in our uh, our bulk bags now, which is a cup and a half. It's a pretty, pretty good size. It could be possible in the future we will release it in an even larger size. Oh, that would be I wonderful. This starting, this starting to uh, reduce. I like to cook it just until it begins to caramelize. And I'll, and I'll put the bottom being in to kind of deglaze the bottom of the pan. So I've got a kettle of water that's heating up over here. With the bada bing, the hotter the water is and the longer it gets to sit, the stronger and richer that it gets. So I like to, to put good and hot water. If I'm out of time, I'll just put hot water from the tap in. And to be honest, it's really fine. But uh, I feel better about it if it's, if it's been heated and I've got the time to do it right now. Right. And you don't have any oil in that pan and the onions are doing just fine. Absolutely. So let's, uh, before I do the tomatoes, let me just put one red bell pepper in there. Now, in a traditional piperade, they would use a thin, you know, thin-skinned local peppers. I didn't have time to get to the farmer's market today to, to get something like that. And this is what we had in our in our local market, which is just a red bell pepper, which works fine because it's sweet and tangy. But if you uh, if you can get some fully ripened red Anaheim's, uh, you know my favorite would be Jimmy Nardello's or Goat Horns. You know these are all you know very very uh, sweet. You know low to medium heat peppers. Obviously, if you if you're going to a thinner skin pepper instead of using just one, like I'm going to be using, you probably put two or three in. You can see that's I'm great because the recipe is flexible. So if you don't like this particular thing, you you don't have to put it in. You just put something else in. So, and I'd I'll, like to tip take, about the hot water. I'll take that a step further and every recipe is flexible. <laughs> <laughs> Probably what I like the most about cooking is it is fundamentally a creative endeavor. So look at that. You poured hot water in there and bada bing, you've got broth. Bada bing. Look yeah. at it. Isn't that beautiful? And it's so and it's colorful. You, you can tell, this is at uh, one tablespoon per cup, you get a very, very rich bouillon. A lot of times I'll use uh, less of the bada bing if I, you know, if I want something that's a little bit softer. And you know, you'll see, uh, the more you hear from me, you'll know that I'm a, I'm a big flavor guy. I like big flavors. If you're reading my recipes and you want to take it to give the pun with a grain of salt, I do go heavy on the spices and I go heavy on the flavors. Where I come from, that's who I am. I like big flavors. Right. And all these spices, they have different phytochemicals, phytonutrients in them that are health promoting, the more that you add to your dishes, and this is the way that you eat the rainbow, this is the way that you promote good health, is not just by, of course, adopting this plant-based lifestyle, but use those spices. Because some people, all they just use is some garlic powder, maybe some oregano, and they're not familiar with these 
so many different spices that are available out there and they each have their own little unique taste. And it's so much fun, especially when you've eliminated salt from your diet and your palate has really changed and evolved. And then you start tasting the different kind and you say, what is that taste? Hmm, is that, what is that, cumin? What, I mean, they all just have their own special taste and aroma. Oh, Deborah said, I need to use more spices. I eat very simply. I basically use red pepper flakes, garlic powder, and onion powder the most. Right, Deborah? Yeah, get out of there and have that little comfort zone and try try something. Maybe add one spice onto your list and go lightly at first and see what it's like. What were you saying, Nick? I was going to just, just point out that I just sliced this very thinly. Um, what we're trying, what we're trying to do here, is the vegetables, the uh, the onion and the uh, the bell pepper. We want to cook them until they're nice and soft. The tomato is going to going to formulate a bit of a of a uh, of a sauce behind it. I'm putting the uh, bell pepper in right now because you can see the onions are caramelizing, starting to stick a little bit to the pan. Before I put any liquid in, I thought I'd. Try to extract some liquids out of the uh, the bell pepper. Yeah, that's and, great. Uh, we had Chef Bravo on, and that's one of the techniques that he talked about. In the beginning, when people are trying to cook without oil, they think that they have to add a bunch of water or vegetable broth in the pan right away. And so many vegetables and things like the onions and the peppers and even mushrooms, they have a lot of water already in them. So if you don't even, as long as you don't have the heat on too high, you can put these things in the pan. They're not going to burn and they're going to kind of cook down. They'll become more intense. Just like anything else, if you dried it out, it would have a more intense flavor. And then if it does stick to the pan, then you can always add some, a little bit, maybe a tablespoon of the liquid and just scrape it around with your spatula. And mm, look at that. Bada bing. But I, I, I like thinking of the uh, the liquid as deglazing because when you see that the bottom of the pan is starting to get dark, you add just a little bit of liquid and most of that dark stuff will come right off. And what is right. it's pulling that, uh, pull, pulling that uh, dark glazed material and it's putting it back into the sauce so you're getting more flavor that way. Yeah. That thought of being bouillon, I think that for if anybody was traveling – that would be like a number one thing to take with you. You wouldn't have to worry if you were going by airplane with as far as the TSA goes. And you would have your bouillon broth with you in the dried form and you would just be able to use it. Or in, if you're in a camping trip or camper or hiking even, that's something that you could make your own food and not have too much. You wouldn't even have to take that whole package with you. You just have to take a few tablespoons. Mm-hmm. I've actually, and I've had some chefs tell me that they're using the bada bing now as, as if it were a spice itself and just sprinkling it on top of vegetables and then roasting them. And it gives it, you know, it kind of develops the sauce as it draws from the uh, you know, liquids off the vegetables. Well, that's a great idea. I love to roast vegetables. Usually I'll use some kind of a balsamic vinegar, but that's a really wonderful idea. A lot of people worry, oh, what do I do? My vegetables are looking like they're going bad. And I usually say to them, most of them, you can just cut them up and put them in a roasting pan with some parchment paper or something like a silpat. And then you could either put some vinegar on top or here's a new tip, bada bing. Just sprinkle that on, pop it in the oven and roast it. And now those vegetables that you were worried that they were going to go bad, now you just rescued them and gave them flavor. And then you could always divide them up and freeze them if you didn't want to eat them all at once. But I tell you, when I make roasted vegetables, I want to eat the whole thing because they are really good. Next time, try sumac on the roasted vegetables. It's, a, it's a, another winner. You, know, you, you, you like putting your, uh, your vinegars on, but with the sumac, you still get that sour flavor because you're mm-hmm. not adding any liquids. You're not adding any sugar. Excellent. Kathy Cook said, okay, so she's allergic to poison ivy. So she's worried about the sumac because she's worried if it is in that same family. Do you know anything about that? I would ask your doctor. And, and the reason okay. why is because the irritation that we get from poison sumac, I, in my reading, I've actually heard it described as an allergic reaction. And for that reason, uh, if she is deeply allergic to that, check and make sure. But it is, as I said, a different species. And usually, not always, usually allergens will uh, will not cross the lines of species. I mean, I, I know that some people, for example, 
who have broad allergens, uh, allergic reactions to you know, categories like uh, legumes. A lot of people have that. So, I'm, so at this point, it's starting to dry out a little bit. And we're probably going to put a little more bada bing in. But before we do that, I'm going to put, uh, put the vinegar in. You know, you had asked me about sp when you put spices in. And I, in this case, I like to put the vinegar in towards the end because that way, the longer the vinegar cooks, you lose uh, more and more of the tangy flavor. And I want that tanginess. I want the tanginess on top of the, uh, the neutral palate of the rice and I want it to soak down in. The quality of your vinegar also matters. This is kind of just my go-to uh, red wine vinegar. It's, you know, there's nothing special there. This one is a varietal. It's a Cabernet. It retains some of the sweetness of the variety. And I'm just going to put three tablespoons of the vinegar in. If you put too much in, it will really overpower the whole dish. You know, you're just going for a little bit of tartness and a little bit of sweetness that's coming out of the vinegar. Um, you know, I was actually, I think I, I did three because I think the recipe we wrote says three at that point. I was running in my mind, hmm, maybe I really want to do two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you We're can start with two food. and then taste it. That's what I love about this lifestyle because you're not cooking anything that's going to have any kind of contamination issue if you if it's not fully cooked and you want to taste it. So anytime during the cooking, you can just take a little tasting spoon and see, hmm, do I need more of this or whatever you want to do. And I, oh, look at the beautiful colors. Oh, I bet it just smells what, so awesome in that kitchen right now. <laughs> what I, yeah, actually, my wife just came back to show me she's getting hungry by the smell. What I'm looking <laughs> for the rod is what I'm getting right now. You can see that those red peppers, they're just completely soft and they're dripping almost like a noodle. So at this point, I'm going to probably call that. Usually at this point, if I've got a little bit more liquid in, I'll turn the heat up just to reduce the liquid down to a sauce. Right now, I'm worried that I might even want to add a little bit of liquid. Since we're, uh, we're getting out of the test, test kitchen, I don't have all of my, I don't have, I, I forgot this morning to throw a baking dish in. I'm going to just put these in a pie pan for now. It gives me something to set them up in, show you how we, uh, how we, we set it up to go in the oven. So I'm going to take each one of these bell peppers and I'm going to add the piperade into the top. Wow. I mean, they would be just delicious without that. And now you're putting a special topping on. That's like a surprise because whoever would be eating it would be eating some something from the top. And then suddenly underneath, there's something more. Wow. Now, piperat is not a bad thing to just, uh, you know, batch prep in the uh, and keeping your refrigerator. It's got the tanginess, kind of like, you know, pickled uh, vegetables that we do a lot. Um, I would say that in a in a Basque family, they probably would pretty typically have piperad made up in their kitchen. I mean, we, we basically created two dishes. We created a pilaf and we created a piperad and we're putting them in a bell pepper to make these neat little individual dishes. Yeah. And later on, if you had any left over, you could just eat them deconstructed. Absolutely. These ones are going to go home with our uh, with our staff today. They all like it when I'm doing cooking demonstrations here because they get to bring food home. That's nice. You're a nice boss. <laughs> In terms of quantity, this really makes just about the right amount to fill four bell peppers. I, I could stuff more into these, which I uh, I would do with a little more time. But you, you can see, they're just lovely. Well, That's look at that. Oh. The remainder of my bada bing bouillon, I'll just stir it up a little bit more. And I'm just going to pour this over the top of the bell peppers, just to get a little bit more moisture onto them. I think the biggest sin in uh, stuffed bell peppers is if they get dry, particularly if you're using rice, if rice is allowed to get dry. So just giving them a bath of this bouillon, and you can see it's about a quarter of an inch deep on the bottom of the pan. And then I'll just cover it with foil. And I put it in an oven at 375 degrees for 35 minutes. Always comes out perfect. Um, That's wonderful. I mean, you could have this that you made it up ahead of time. And then when about a half hour before it was time to eat, you could just pop them, take them out of the refrigerator, pop them in the oven at that time. Then you're good to go. That's so the far I just made, those are going to get uh, packaged up and I'm just going to put them in the freezer. We can pull them out anytime and, and uh, roast them. But I just oh, pulled these out of the oven to show you what it looks like when complete. Oh, so they, how they wonderful. Nice. So you even did that in a skillet. Yeah, they're nice and tender. 
And then what I like to do when I serve them, I'll uh, base up some of the, the bouillon that's in the bottom, and I'll just put it like a sauce back in inside the uh, the peppers. And if you want, you can uh, you can take the peppers out and reduce the bouillon down to a sauce itself. It's going to have all the ingredients to go in. And let's plate it. Slippery little bubbles. Full of flavor too, but they're still holding together, even though even though one slipped out, it didn't fall apart or anything. So it's still going to be good. So that's a good that you did that. So in case somebody was doing that at home, they wouldn't worry if it slipped out. So everything will be all right. And the best thing about these is, it's one of those dishes where you uh, you get to eat the bowl. Wow! Look at that. That just looks so delicious and looks. I mean, if I was sitting down to eat that, that would just be so much fun, especially with the little lids on, because you're right. Most of the people, at least that I've seen that have made the stuffed peppers, they don't use the lids. And, and that just makes it even prettier in the presentation. That's just so beautiful. And I, I think it helps reserve some of the moisture. Yeah, because that's the thing. You go to dig in and then you have, if, it, if it's not moist, it just changes everything. Look how delicious, guys. I hope you guys are going to try this. When you adopt this lifestyle, this is how you can eat. And you're going to have lots of flavor. You don't have to worry about salt. You don't have to worry about oil. And you don't have to worry about your health because all of this is health promoting and it's healthy. And you can eat as much as you want till comfortably full. And that's what I like about the lifestyle. <laughs> well, wow. it's all about the food. And we, uh, we we love the food. We love vegetables. And, you know, a meal like this, as you said, you're never going to find yourself missing any flavors. In you, I think you said you had uh, Chef Bravo on. And he yes. likes to talk about, about loading up. When you take salt out, loading up the other cardinal flavors. So you want to have a richer umami, a richer sour, a richer bitter, and a richer sweet. And uh, that's pretty much what we did. We're getting sour and sweet off the vinegar. We're getting umami from the uh, from the vegetables and from the broth. We're loading up cardinal flavors that aren't salt. That's wonderful. And it's so nice to know that you, I mean, you're not just selling some spices and herbs. You really know your business. You've traveled and you've educated yourself. For those of us that are doing a whole food plant-based lifestyle, especially those that are going without sugar, oil, and salt, SOS free, you are very familiar with what we want. And knowing that we can just go to your website and find these spices and herbs, blends, and not have to worry about the deleterious ingredients in them. About how many in the SOS free, sugar, oil, salt free line do you have? I couldn't tell you, quite a few. And and quite we're it's, it's, it's growing all the time. You know, we, we go through Various blends we made years before, and we we reformulate them to uh, to make them salt free. Um, in fact, even you know for people that that aren't completely salt free, most of our regular blends are very low salt. Uh, that's, that's the position that I came from when we first started this business. But I'm guessing 40 or 50 blends. Like I could be off, but that's that's a, that's a rough guess. We're reformulating uh, things all the time. And we have a couple of uh, blends we've been working on that we're going to be releasing soon. We have some new toppers. I currently do a topper that's like everything bagel, but doesn't have the salt. We call that showstopper topper. But we have a Tuscan topper that's coming out soon, which is going to be garlic and sun-dried tomato and rosemary, and uh, it's just delicious. And I have a uh, bacon seasoning, salt-free bacon seasoning that's going to be coming out there. Okay, so but it doesn't have bacon in it, you're saying, but it tastes no. like it? What is that? It, it, it tastes like bacon, and it and can be used to make vegan bacon. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, let's see if we have any more questions or comments. Jen wants to know, what are your top must-have kitchen gadgets? Even though you're doing spices, you apparently are very familiar in the kitchen. Most people that are really familiar in the kitchen think that the number 10 would be a ridiculous number. Because <laughs> <laughs> so many things, you know, I, I, I think the most important thing is a good sharp knife, good set of pans. My uh, my kitchen at home is set up a little differently than, than, than I am here. I mean, here I use the uh, induction burner. The induction burner is a really nice tool. We use our, uh, our air fryer a lot. We use our... Uh, pressure cooker a lot. Can't, it's hard to say that I can think of anything that I use that's unique or that most of you guys don't have at home. Okay. Well, that's great. Ginger wants to know, do you prefer garlic powder or granulated garlic best? Is there a particular reason for your preference? So I would add to that list. Uh, we also do a, a minced garlic, which is, you know, big chunks and I'll use them for, you know, depending on 
how much garlic flavor you want to come out at a time. If you think about it, garlic powder when added to a dish is going to infuse and you'll get garlic flavor throughout. With the garlic uh, granules, uh, it, you know, the, you'll get little bits of, uh, of garlic flavor. And then if you use the minced garlic, which is really wild, you'll get chunks of garlic. And so while you're eating, you'll suddenly get a burst of garlic flavor that can be quite pleasurable. Yeah, I think that Chef Bravo was talking that he liked to use the granulated garlic when he made baked potatoes because it simulated the rock salt or kosher salt kind of thing that some of the restaurants do. And he said that when you put those on your baked potatoes and and after you cook them, it almost has that same kind of feel. But he also mm-hmm. said that sometimes he likes to layer flavors. So sometimes if he's using garlic, he'll use fresh garlic. And then he'll also use the minced and the granulated or the or the powder just to have different levels of flavor profiles, I guess is how yeah. he talked about it. Gra- granulated garlic generally is between 30 to 60 mesh. So it actually, it's, it's pretty fine. Uh, the, uh, you know, the minced garlic is something more like a, uh, you know, an eight mesh. It's much, much, much more coarse. Uh, so if you're, if you're trying to, to emulate, uh, you know, rock salt in a potato, I would say definitely try the minced garlic. Like That's I said, a, good tip. a little burst of flavor coming up each time in a bite. Well, I want to thank you so much for letting us come into your local spicery kitchen and showing us that you can eat whole food plant-based SOS free, no sugar, oil, or salt added, and you can have delicious food that's also healthy, and you can eat all you want until you're comfortably full, and it can look normal so that you can share it with your non-plant-based friends. And you have such an enormous knowledge about spices and herbs, and I'm so glad that you shared those tips with us, and we are going to have links to your website. I wanted to tell everybody that Nick, not only is he generous with his time, but he also is having a special offer for us. Why don't you tell Nick, tell our audience what the Be Green with Amy audience can look forward so to. If you place an order from our website, when you're uh, in the, uh, the checkout phase, you'll see a box that says order comments. And just mention Be Green with Amy in there. And we will send you two samples. These are, you know, small sample pouches, about a tablespoon each of SOS-free spices or blends that you can uh, try. Hopefully, we'll come up with something that you haven't tried yet. Oh, that's so nice. So very generous of you, Nick. I want to tell everybody to stay tuned for a special announcement. I also wanted to thank someone who's been in the background, and that is Rebecca from PKA Solves. And she's been engineering this whole broadcast, pulling up the comments, and just being the pilot for me. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you. I also wanted to thank Jess from Just Has Voice, and she did the countdown and the promos, the voiceovers, when she has a lovely voice. But most of all, I want to thank all of you guys, because Nick came, because he knew that you would be joining us and watching. And we both want to spread the news of this healthy lifestyle and how you can adopt this lifestyle and live this lifestyle with flavor. So many different flavors, and I hope that you learned a lot about spices today. And if you could please join me with Nick as I sign off with my tagline, and you can even type it in the comments. Are you ready, Nick? I'm ready. Be strong, be well, and be green. Green. (laughs) Bye, everyone.